0: Good morning. My name is Jonathan Abel. I'm a missionary for the AFLC, if you don't know who I am. It's great to be with you here this morning. It's a special day for me because uh, I get to spend Mother's Day with Mother. And uh, she's going to be here in the second service. Um, I've hardly had that experience in my life, you know, since I grew up. I've always lived very far from my parents and from family and stuff, and so it's kind of a a joy. And my mother's quite a trooper, in fact. I'm going to mention her a little bit in my message this morning. But um, this this morning I wanted to talk about uh, walking in the image of the Almighty. Um, Sharing the Gospel some years ago, many years ago now. Life goes by like that, you know. But many years ago when I was at the University of uh, North Dakota State University, I had a ministry there with a lot of foreign students. And one foreign student was a Brazilian. He, um, it was His story is kind of sad because his, his grandfather was a Methodist pastor in Brazil. His mother was a church organist. I think he grew up going to church. But his mother had married a North Dakotan who was a, um, a merchant of precious stones. Brazil has a lot of precious stones, so he went to Brazil, met her, married her, but he didn't care anything about God. He had no time for God. And um, he had two, three children, and uh, these children all went the way of the father, not the way of the mother or the grandfather. And one day when I walked into his apartment, he said, Jonathan, why, why do you handle life so well? Because he said, you know, you have a lot of problems just like I do and stuff, and, and stuff." but you handle it well. Is it because of your faith? Because of your religion? And right there and then I realized that I had an opportunity to share Christ with this young man. And so I shared the gospel to him very clearly. And um, when I was done, he said, that's great, but that's good for you, but I don't want it for me. And he said, and I would appreciate it if you would never talk about it again with me. It was really hard, you know. But I learned something that day. I learned that people are watching a lot more how I live than they are what I say. And I had this experience many, many times with many, many students, international students on campus at both um, NDSU and uh, Moorhead State. It was very interesting that the Muslims, the Hindus, were all watching the way I lived (laughs) And many of them would say, you're the only Christian we know. And and I knew that all the kids from Campus Crusade and InterVarsity had talked to them. But they said, you're the only Christian we know. And I said, why is that? Because we're not good Muslims or we're not good Hindus. And we go to a lot of places we're not supposed to go. And I see a lot of Christians at those places. But you're never there. You're never there. And yet, you know, you're always here with us, talking to us, living your life, taking us where we need to go, doing things, helping us out. There's something different about your life. That's the way it is to be with us. You know, um, my parents talked to me a lot about this when I was growing up. They really, there was a big emphasis in our family. Hey, um, we are a Christian family. So uh, we have to be different from the rest of the world. And one time I was talking to my dad about this, and and he said, you know, talking about, you know, um, why why my parents were what they were, whatever. And and dad's, you know, dad said, as you grow up, look at all your friends' parents and look at us, and see which one has a better life, which one has a better life. Most of my friends were non-believers. Came from non-believing families. And their families were usually a wreck. And stuff. So, you know, God calls it that. And one thing that I believe Christians ought to do, or should do, that clock is conveniently put there. It's for a walking pastor, you know. Got to walk way over here to check the time. I don't have my watch on, so... And stuff, so, and I want to save a little time to show a little bit of the ministries we're involved with, but um the thing is that uh God has called us you know to pursue holiness, pursue holiness, which which without none of us can see God. we need to pursue holiness and um first peter one fifteen seventeen says um, but just as he who called you is holy." So be holy in you in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on the Father who judges each person impartially, live out your lives as foreigners here in reverent fear. When I was young there was a group called Petra, I guess I wasn't so young, I was probably their age, but you know. There was a group called Petra. They had a song that said, um, "We are aliens. We are not of this world." I used to like that song and stuff. It, uh, and that's true. We are citizens of another world. Today is Mother's Day, and we're remembering our mothers. I had a very special mother. All of you had a special mothers, and um, and I think of my mom who uh, really showed us what it was to be a good uh, ambassador for Christ in this world. She left her comfort zone because of Christ. She left her comfort zone. She took care of a very large family. We were seven kids. I suppose that's not too large for some people, but it was large. for In Brazil, it's extremely large and stuff. She took care of seven kids. I'm all wired up here. And I can't move my neck, so <laughs> um she took care of seven kids, and we went. My parents were kind of crazy, and they went all over the place. We traveled one time when I was about ten years old, all well, through South America by every form of transportation you could imagine. you know we went by train, by bus, by plane, in those days it was DC-3s that threw in between, flew in between the Andes Mountains so they couldn't fly over, so they went like this, you know, and you got as sick as could be. We went in, in boats, we crossed the Chichicaca Lake, which is the highest lake in the world and it takes one whole night to cross it and stuff and everything we did on that trip. And I don't know where dad was most of the time, <laughs> but mom was taking care of the whole clan. And stuff and, and she was a trooper like that. She you know, so she took care of her family. I remember growing up that she was always there for us even though she was always involved in ministry. She backed her husband, which I think is pretty remarkable. And uh it's very funny, she had control over him but we didn't know it. We thought he controlled everything. <laughs> but she could take him in the room and set him straight if she needed to. Stuff. So And um, she did God's work. She was a great evangelist. She was a great um, missionary. Um, She never let the ball drop when it came to ministry. She was always there. And so she was a true ambassador for Christ. We are Christians and we are aliens. And um, my mother never said this, and she probably never would because She's a humble lady. But um, the Apostle Paul says, Be ye followers of me as I am of Christ. And this has always gotten me. Like I I thought, well, I disciple a lot of people. Can I say to them, be followers of me as I am of Christ? You know, if you just imitate me in your Christian walk, you'll be imitating Christ. You know, that's what, what we should be able to do. You know, that's what we should be able to do. My mother could do it, but she never did that, but she could do it and stuff. But the Apostle Paul says here, um, Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the Church of God. You see, his concern was that his walk would imitate Christ, but it also would not lead anybody to stumble in their Christian walk. And even, um, he says, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my examples as I follow the example of Christ. That's what he wants us to do. That's what we should do. and stuff. So that's an important thing. And I realize, you know, in missions, it used to be in missions that we would go out to try to reach groups of people, huge groups of people. You know, like you'd go to Africa and if you got the, the, the head of the clan saved, everybody else would be saved. That was one one situation when Africa was turning to crisis because the, the chiefs of the tribes would get saved and then everybody would get saved in the tribe. But today it's not like that anymore. You can You can win a drug lord for Christ who has a tribe of his followers, but it doesn't mean any of his followers are going to follow you. You know? It's not. It's different today. Today it's really individualistic. And I think it always has been individualistic, but we see it more today and stuff. And so, as you work with people, as you are an example, and as you disciple them, you, you it's one by one. But everyone is watching you how you do it. And Paul was this way because he wanted the Corinthians to know um, in their sinful world that they live in, what God wanted of them, what God required. David, Living, um, David Wilkerson said, I don't win, you don't win the world by being like the world. They're looking for something different. We have lived in a generation. My generation has sought to seek the world by getting as close and looking as close to the world without being the world, you know. But it's left a lot of Christians with one foot in the world and one foot in the, in the gospel, well, you know. In Brazil, we have this thing, you know. There's a wall, okay. And they're on top of the wall. They don't know which side, you know, to go. So they kind of walk the, the straight and narrow on top of the wall, but we say the wall belongs to Satan. So if you're on top of the wall, you're on the wrong side. And stuff. You've got to be definitely on the side of Christ. And, um, and we try that. But David Wilkerson, who is claimed to have brought revival to um, New York, especially Fifth Avenue in that area, twice in his lifetime, um, said, you don't win the world by being like the world. The world is looking for something different. The Bible most people read is you. The Bible most people read is you. And in missions, the Jesus most people know is you. So what kind of Jesus? What kind of Bible are they reading? What kind of Jesus do they know? And that is a real concern that ought to motivate us to pursue happiness. And and pursue, I mean... Um, holiness. Once a missionary came to Africa and started to um, reach out to this tribe and um, started to share with them about Jesus and they said, oh, we know him. And the missionary said, what? Yeah, we know him. He was here not too long ago. Was here not too long ago? How could that be? And then he found out that David Livingston had gone through there. And David Livingston lived a life in such a way that when people started talking about Jesus and they had met David Livingston, they thought David Livingston was Jesus. You know? Isn't that great? And stuff. We should be that way. And I was reflecting on the Beatitudes recently. Um, and here we see Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. He takes his disciples up the mountain and stuff, and he sits down and he starts to share with them. And he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. People like Lazarus. You Remember Lazarus and the rich man? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who got the kingdom of heaven? It was Lazarus, right? Blessed are they that mourn, are grieving, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are um blessed are those I'll put page in here. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, and blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are they, um, up to that point, blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Um, That is, for doing the right thing, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All these blessings. Well, someone said about the Sermon on the Mount. This sermon, Jesus proclaims his attitude towards the law, position of authority, and money are not important in his kingdom. What matters is faithful obedience to um, the faithful obedience from the heart. Here Jesus challenges those in his day who would be proud legalistic or in favor of tradition over the word. He calls them back to the Old Testament prophets, who like Jesus taught that how heartfelt obedience is more important than legalistic order. Just think of David. David wrote many times, you know, that you delight not in sacrifices, but in a contrite heart and stuff. The great men of God understood that. They understood that what pleased God is a life dedicated to Him. At the time, Jesus was the most popular man around as He was teaching His disciples. And the disciples close to Jesus Could be tempted to feel important, to be proud, and to be possessive. Being with Jesus gave them not only prestige, but also an opportunity to receive money and power. You see, when there's great leaders in our day, people that get around those great leaders, get around them for what? (laughs) A A little bit of that popularity of that great leader to rub off on them. Right? Oh, I walk on with so and so, I'm with so and so. Name dropping a lot. I meet a lot of people that like to drop names of, of important people that they've been with. And I've had my my wonderful share of important people to be with, but I don't seldom drop a name because God, you know, wants us to be focused on Him. Jesus Jesus warns them that they are not to be expect these things nor fame and fortune. But be ready for hunger and persecution. Yet he also told them that they would be blessed. If not in this world, certainly in the next. When my brother Paul entered the ministry, I wasn't in the ministry yet. I went into the ministry late in life. I was ordained at 38 and stuff. And so I was. I had other plans. But God uh, got me in a corner and, and brought me to where I am today. But... Before I was a pastor, and Paul was a pastor, Paul was a pastor, but I was still, I hadn't done my seminary yet. I was a lay pastor. But he, he he was so frustrated because some people that he invested a lot of time in didn't pan out. They decided to go the ways of the world. And he was so frustrated. That's why Paul likes to build things like pulpits like this and other things. You know, he likes to build something so he can see it done. Well, <laughs> stuff, but I said, Paul, you know, we're only going to know the fruits of our labor when we get to heaven, and I don't know how that's going to be. But you know, but that's where we're going to see the fruits of our labor, you know, not here on earth. And Jesus prepares the disciples for this. One person put about the beatitudes the, um, the four things like this: they are a code of ethics for disciples and a standard of conduct for all believers. Second, they contrast the kingdom values which are eternal with worldly values that are temporary. Third, they contrast superficial faith of the Pharisees with real faith that Christ wants. And fourth, they show how the Old Testament expectations will be fulfilled in the new kingdom. These beatitudes are not multiple choice. Pick what you like. Leave the rest. They must be taken as a whole. They describe what we should be like as Christ's followers. There was a man, I was thinking about great people in the world, people in my generation or before that people really admired. And it was hard to, that the whole world admired. And one of these persons that the whole world admired, that I came to realize the whole world admired, was Mahatma Gandhi. Now, Mahatma Gandhi, he he wanted to imitate Christ. He liked Christ, but he never accepted Christ. And he never accepted Christ. He never wanted to be a Christian. He did not like Christians, because he didn't think Christians were Christ-like. You know, so he decided he would be Christ-like, and he is one of the most admired persons in the world, who created this kind of thing of how do you do, how do you do revolution without war, you know, do peaceful revolutions, which is what he did in India, and stuff, peaceful revolution. But he was an admired man because of his meekness, and um, and I had a lady. A teacher at IndiaSU at that didn't like the Bible because of the one verse, verse three of the Beatitudes: "Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth." She says, "That's see, the Bible's wrong. The Bible's just flat out wrong. The meek cannot inherit the earth. But here, you know, Gandhi was a meek man and got the love of the whole world." Another person they got the love of the whole world for being meek was Mother Teresa you know Mother Teresa is that how you say it. Mother Teresa you know anyway, she got the respect of the whole world being meek. the Bible's not wrong; the Bible's right, and all these attitudes are to be accepted by his people um, so anyway um That's what God has called his disciples to do. And then he goes on to say specifically to them, you are the light of the world. No, he says, Blessed are you, men, when men persecute you and say all manners of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. I always think of... Why does the Bible say that so much? That we're supposed to be rejoiced and be glad when we face trials. Rejoice and be glad when you have hard times. Rejoice and be glad. Because we are to rejoice and be glad. You know, joy comes from a deep well, and it's a wonderful thing. Blessed are you when men insult you. Um, here, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So, for so they persecuted the prophets which came before you. And then he goes on to teach them. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Um, as we become Christians, as we follow in Jesus' footsteps, as we live for Jesus, we become salt. And we want to make sure that we are salt. Now, salt does a couple of things. Well, we all know a lot of things that salt does. But one thing, it burns. It burns. Salt can burn. You put salt on a sore, it burns. But it also heals. It burns, but it heals. When I shared the gospel with that young man at NDSU, it burned. But it could have also healed. And um, we see when Jesus came to Matthew... Matthew accepted the gospel and left his lucrative business. That's right. And so, he left his lucrative business and followed Jesus. So did Zacchaeus. But the rich young ruler didn't. That's the way it is. God wants us to share his love with people. So, remember, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the world and you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. Dear God, we thank you for this message and we just pray that you would help us to understand it and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to just take five minutes of your time to show some of the ministries that we're the ministry that we're involved in. These are the parts of the ministry in Brazil that I'm involved in. I kind of head up many of these ministries, not by myself, but with a group of wonderful people. So um, let's roll that, so and then we can end.